Hi, you're about to get smarter in just a few minutes with Curiosity Daily from Curiosity.com. I'm Cody Goff. And I'm Ashley Hamer. Today, you'll learn about why the first black hole ever discovered is bigger than we thought. Then, you'll learn about spider hearing with help from Cornell University professor Ron Hoy. Let's satisfy some curiosity. Cygnus X1 just won't quit. It's a binary star system, pretty close to Earth, where a blue supergiant star and a black hole orbit each other. The black hole was the first one humans ever discovered, and new research shows that it's way bigger than scientists thought. In fact, it's now a record holder, even if that record has a lot of caveats. It's the most massive electromagnetically detected stellar mass black hole ever discovered. Electromagnetically detected, as in not detected via its gravity, and stellar mass, as in not a supermassive black hole. Good job, big guy. Anyway, black holes are notoriously hard to spot. But the black hole in Cygnus X1 is one of the black holes closest to Earth. And it's producing X-rays that we can detect thanks to its interaction with its companion star. So it's not a huge surprise that it was the first that astronomers discovered, way back in 1964. Now, more than a half century later, astronomers used a telescope array that spanned the entire United States to take their closest look yet at the Cygnus X-1 system. The researchers used 10 radio telescopes to watch the two objects make a complete orbit around each other over six days. Then they compared the images captured by the different telescopes to judge the black hole's distance from us. To get a sense of what they did, just stick your thumb out and look at it with one eye open. Then switch eyes. Your thumb moved, right? If you hold your thumb closer, it moves even more. That's basically the technique that astronomers use to update what they know about Cygnus X1. As it turns out, the star system beat scientists' previous measurements in just about every way. First, the black hole is about 20 times more massive than the sun. That's about 50% bigger than astronomers previously believed. It's also spinning really, really fast. Faster than any other black hole ever observed. It clocks in at almost the speed of light. Whoa. But these new findings aren't just fun facts. They're also causing astronomers to rethink what they once knew. See, astronomers have good reason to think that the black hole in Cygnus X1 began its life as a big star, about 60 times the mass of the sun. That star collapsed tens of thousands of years ago and then turned into a black hole. Astronomers also know that stars slowly lose mass over their lifetimes. But according to the new findings, there's no way the star that became the black hole lost as much mass during its lifetime as astronomers would have expected. It's just too big and spinning too fast for that to be the case. And that may change a lot of what we know about how stars evolve. So while astrophysicists are busy tweaking their theories and arguing over equations, the rest of us can relax knowing that science never gets everything right the first time. Did you know that spiders don't have ears? They can still hear, though. And they do that by using the tiny hairs they have all over their bodies to sense vibrations in the air, which their brains interpret as sound. And if you think that makes you way different than a spider, well, today's guest is going to explain why you might want to think again. Ron Hoy is a professor of neurobiology and behavior at Cornell University, and he studies acoustic communication in insects. In other words, 
bug hearing. And Ashley asked him about something you yourself may have wondered about. A question I've always had about spider hearing, because hairs make me think of the hairs that line our inner ear. And, you know, hair cells are how we hear. Are, are the hairs on a spider a lot like the hairs on our inner ear? Or are those completely different? Ashley, you you uh, want to put you up for a Nobel Prize next year. <laughs> uh, yes, cilia, sensory cilia are hairs, and they have a lot in common. So, for example, they're not called sensory cilia in crickets, but there are analogous cells that are cilia-like, and they're associated with cilia. Now, the actual hairs on a spider are actually cuticular. So they're like the hairs on our arms or on our hair. And in fact, you can kind of play spider a little bit. I'm from an earlier generation when when I went to rock concerts, I like to be right up in front of those huge tower speakers and feel it, feel the vibrations, really move my hair and also give me shivers. Well, that's a similar principle. So we can imagine that that's what a female spider, in the best case, might be feeling because we know that the hairs move. And in fact, for spiders, it's another neat trick that we know they move. Uh, a former postdoc of mine named Daniel Robert discovered that in honeybees and in bumblebees, they have very hairy bodies. And when they visit plants, the plants have an electrical charge on them. And so when they land, there's a discharge. You change the electric field so the bees can determine whether a plant's been visited by other bees just by measuring the sensory field. Now, of course, you want to know, well, how are they detecting magnetic discharge? So what they did was they took the bees back to the lab and then they caused movements of the hairs. They put an electric field and when the hairs on the legs moved, they were able to record in the nervous system discharge. So it's the same hairs in principle that they could hear with. You only need to have the hairs move. So Ashley, when you're talking about the inner ear, same deal. When your eardrum moves, it causes the tectorial membrane and the basilar membrane to move, and that causes the ciliary hairs in our inner ear to move. So it just shows you how fundamental movement is. But you can set them into motion in all kinds of ways. Magnetic charge, a puff of wind, a uh, a sound going by, anything that causes movement. And hairs are great because many hairs, they're socketed. And so they can move in various directions. And the stronger the movement, say the stronger the puff of wind or the sound, the more it's going to move. Similarly for in a magnetic field or, or electric field, the stronger the field, the more the hair is going to move. So a hair then becomes all-purpose. And so you've, you've ascertained, Ashley, that movement and hairs are a fundamental move. That, that goes all the way down to cells, even before nerve cells, because there's a whole class of animals called the ciliata. These are like paramecia and they have movements of their cilia, but they use them as a whole set of oars to move through the water with. 
and E. coli or other bacteria have bundles of two or three cilia sticking out, and when they wave, they move the bacteria through the medium. It's the same principle, though. It's based on a long, thin tangle of proteins, a fibrous protein, and that that's gives you your basic hairs. Again, that was Ron Hoy, a professor of neurobiology and behavior at Cornell University. He'll be back tomorrow to tell us about a species of spider that doesn't wait for prey to get tangled in its web. Instead, it brings the web to them. All right, well, let's recap the main things we learned today. We learned that the first black hole we've ever discovered is a lot bigger than we thought. It would have started out as a star that slowly lost mass over time before collapsing and turning into a black hole. But because this black hole is so big, it seems that star couldn't have lost as much mass as astronomers thought during its lifetime. And that's making researchers rethink what we know about how stars evolve. I'm always happy when there's new black hole research. I feel like after we imaged the first black hole, everybody was just like, man, there's no topping that. We just can't talk about black holes anymore. So every time there's new information. I mean, I know there's like tons of scientists constantly working on black holes all the time, but me here as a science communicator, I love it when I find a good, nice, reportable black hole story. Yeah, you and Christopher Nolan. That's right. Me and old Chris. Old Chris Nolan. Good guy. I I don't know. Maybe he's not. I don't know. We'll give him the benefit of the doubt. I haven't heard anything bad about him. He's got good movies. Sure does. And we also learned that the hairs that spiders use to hear are kind of like the hairs inside our inner ears, which is wild. They're different. They're actually more like the hairs on our arms and legs than the hairs in our inner ears. But it's the same principle. When hairs are moved by sound or magnetic charge or wind... That can send signals to the organism that that thing happened. And so it's all kind of the same principle. The hairs in our inner ears and that are on a spider or a honeybee are all ways of detecting movement. All the same principle. Hairs and movement are a match made in heaven. It's weird to think about. Ashley and I are moving your hair right now. Whoa. It's what we're doing. It's how you're hearing us. The little spider hairs inside your ear are helping you hear us right now. Okay, they're not spider hairs. They're sensory cilia, which are not technically hairs, but they're they're hair-like. They're hair-like. Mm-hmm. Hair today, gone tomorrow. <laughs> Today's first story was written by Grant Current and edited by Ashley Hamer, who's the managing editor for Curiosity Daily. Today's episode was produced and edited by Cody Goff. We're hair today, but you can join us again tomorrow to learn something new in just a few minutes. And until then, stay curious. 